Waves crash on the shore, sending a froth of water to swirl around the feet of the twelve women gathered on the beach. Their faces are a mixture of young and old, beautiful and homely, but they all have a sense of belonging, of purpose and pride. Clearing her throat, an old woman gathers their attention. Sisters, I have called this gathering to unite us once more. We are the foundations of our people, of our children and our world. But often we are overlooked, taken for granted, forgotten or downtrodden. Let us tell tales to rekindle the flames in our hearts and our spirits. Maiden, stand before us and speak of your life. What things have you seen and where have you gone? What lessons can you impart to us? I am the maiden. I am youth and joy and delight. I have not spent many years on this earth, and so my view of the world is limited. I can be sheltered and naive, vulnerable to the dark forces around me. I am easily captured if I am not strong in myself. Only with time and experience can I gain emotional maturity. Then I will be able to feel compassion without losing myself to the wants and desires of others. My empathy can be a great strength, but I must be careful it does not dissolve into codependency. Life has shown me many things, and I would give my sisters the story, Death's Footsteps. In the middle of a plain was a small forest. In the middle of the forest was a little house. And in the center of the house, a girl lay awake beneath the moon. She was unable to sleep for a thumping sound was coming from the forest. It was the sound of marching footsteps, and with each beat, the girl's own heart thumped along. After a few sleepless nights, the girl set out to discover the source. At the edge of the forest, the girl found young Death. He was training to one day take his father's place collecting souls. Young Death was completely engrossed with his task when the girl stepped forward to meet him. Shocked to see a mortal standing before him, he stopped marching, but it was too late. The girl had already heard the footsteps of death, and her life had bound herself to his march. When young death's marching ceased, so did her heartbeat, and the girl fell dead to the ground. Young death rushed over. He was glad to see he had mastered the bewitching march and could lead mortals to peace, but he was alarmed that an innocent girl had been caught before her time. He pulled three mulberries from his pocket, crushed them in his hand, and let the juice trickle under her mouth. The girl's eyes fluttered open, but she was no longer mortal and could not remain among the living. Young Death puffed out his chest, though. He knew what to do. He called to a sister spider who quickly spun a white veil for the girl, and placing it over her head, Young Death declared her his bride. They were wed beneath a sky of sparkling stars with a chaste kiss. Pulling the girl by the hand, Young Death showed her the way to the underworld. They were met by a towering figure, Father Death. Giving Young Death a reproachful glance, Father Death examined the girl and announced that she must earn her place among the family if she was to stay. Death led the girl to the River of Souls and bid the girl to look inside. Beneath the tumbling currents were all the souls currently in between lives. As the bride of young death, she was in charge of sorting the souls and judging if they had marinated long enough in the river. Father Death turned to the girl, handed her a long pole, and told her to come see him when she had found thirty souls ready to journey onward. Father Death led young death away with him. The girl mustered her strength and turned to the river. At one end it was calm, but at the other it frothed and churned. The girl examined the pole Death had given her. It was white and carved of some kind of bone. Unsure of where to start, the girl stood on the ledge before the river. She felt the white pole vibrate in her hands, and she let the tip of it slide into the waters. 
Souls swam beneath the surface, and as they passed through the pole, the girl could feel their desires. When she found a soul ready to leave the waters, the girl touched it with the white pole and the soul was drawn upward. Sometimes the girl grew scared looking down into the bottomless depths of the river, but with the pole firm under her hand, she was able to regain her balance and collect 30 souls. The girl directed the boat back to the shore of the river and went in search of death. She found him a short distance away, standing in the middle of a gathering of white trees. Death was conversing with a strange collection of animals. They were unlike any creation the girl had ever seen. Death turned to the girl and explained that regular animals dwelled above, but the leftovers needed a place to go and were welcomed below. Death held out his hands for the staff and the girl gave it to him. Feeling the souls within, Death was pleased with the girl's work. I have another task for you, he said. I wish for you to make 31 soul containers. Use the materials you find here in this white forest. The animals will help you. Death handed the staff back to the girl, turned and walked away. The girl did not know what a soul container was, but the animals led her to a white tree. Stripping its bark, the girl fashioned a basket. She tapped the basket with a white pole, and a soul slipped down into the container. She used the twigs from another tree to make a basket, then another, then another. Twisting and bending the rough strips, she crafted and molded shape after shape. The girl worked and worked and worked. She grew exhausted. Disheartened that she would not be able to finish, the girl saw the spider creature hovering near a tree. Pulling the bark aside, the girl found a tiny white thread coming from the middle of the tree. Gathering the threads above her head, she spun and spun until a basket had formed. The girl grew dizzy, but she kept spinning and spinning until she had made 30 soul containers. The girl gathered her remaining strength and spun one last time. As she turned, the thread wrapped itself around the girl, forming a long woven basket. Tightly encased, the girl could not move, but she felt safe and fell asleep. The bride woke inside the basket, which had grown overnight into an enormous cocoon. She was alone except for the soul containers and a long white thread that hung from the ceiling. A voice from the room above directed the girl to send the souls up the line. She saw no way to attach the baskets, but when she reached out a hand, she found the thread was sticky. Pressing the basket to the web, it stuck fast. Then the thread was yanked upward and disappeared through the ceiling. The girl sent the soul baskets up the soul thread one by one. Pushing the last basket to the web, it stuck, but did not move. The voice from above whispered softly and the basket grew larger. The bride climbed inside and was pulled up into the room of remaking. The room of remaking was full of odds and ends, old suitcases, clocks, and stacks of books. Here was where the soul would be built and remade. But before the soul could be reborn, it had to be given a new personality, one filled with wants and desires. The remaking work was done by young Death's distant aunt. She removed the soul from its basket and swirled it around until the soul had accumulated enough objects for a personality. She then dipped this wad in oil and set it aflame. The smoke carried the soul up to the third annex where the grandmother of death beckoned it into the pool of rebirth. The aunt told the bride to go collect more personality supplies as she was running low. The bride was unsure where she could find this random assortment of odds and ends. She sought out young death and asked him where to go. He told her to go into people's dreams, where they created many things and would not miss them. Young Death led her up to the third room at the top of the curved basket. There, she met the milky eyes of Grandmother Death, who placed a necklace of three pearls around her throat. Grandmother Death lowered the bride through the mirror of dreams. In the land of dreams, the bride looked through shelves and attics, in barns and cellars. She sorted through old trunks for porcelain dishes and pen nibs. She collected rooster feathers, sea glass, buttons, and maps. She gathered and harvested, tucking each item into the black velvet basket the young death had made for her. 
Having gathered many objects, the bride tapped her throat three times and she was pulled out of the mirror of dreams. She found Father Death waiting for her, and he took her to a stone-pillared room with a giant clock hanging in the middle. Strange mechanical birds flew through the air, the timekeepers who maintained the place. You have completed the three tasks I set before you, Father Death said. You have earned your place in the underworld, and as the bride of my son who will one day be Death. But I wonder if perhaps you wish to become mortal once more. The girl stared at Death's thin face. Working so closely with the land of death was overwhelming, but she knew she could not return to the land of the living. She recalled the land of dreams and felt something stir within her chest. I wish to become your dream seeker, the girl said, replenishing your remaking stores. I will still be tied to the immortal realm, but in dreams I can visit the mortal sphere. Father Death nodded his head at her wise choice, then pulled forth his own heart. It was massive and beat with the rhythm of all the souls in the world. Siphoning a layer of smoke from his heart, Death instructed the bride to swallow the three pearls at her throat. As she did, a fold opened between her ribs, revealing her unmoving heart. Death reached inside and nestled the smoke heart around her own. With this, the land of death can no longer confine you, and the land of dreams is yours. You are no longer bound. The girl laid a hand on her chest, and having found her place at last, felt her heart begin to beat once more. <laughs>